Good afternoon, good morning to whomever and however you listen to this. I am your host, Tavares Wilson, and I always get the last word. In today's news, we're going to jump right into the NFL news. As you all may have seen and heard already, the Rams and the Detroit Lions have made, has kicked off the offseason with a monumental trade. That won't, that won't be official until March 17th, but nonetheless, they came to terms on agreement for the trade. Matthew Stafford is on his way to the Los Angeles Rams. In exchange, the Lions will receive two first-round picks, a third-round pick this year, and Jared Goff. Now, this move was simply for the Rams to to do two things. One, improve at quarterback, and two, get Jared Goff contract off their books. They did both of those things. Now, a lot of people want to say they overpaid for Matt Stafford. They, you know, they could have got something better. They ain't got no first-round pick for the next six years. And Listen, that's fine and dandy. But this is a team that has a Super Bowl window, and I think people are not understanding that. They have, a, they have number one defense in the league last year. They have good young – they're not young, but they have good receiver talent – well, Cooper Cup and Reynolds are still young. Robert Woods isn't a spring chicken, but they're still pre- predominantly young when it comes to their playmakers. Cam Makers is an emerging young running back in his league. And Sean McVay is one of the best offensive line I mean offensive minds, excuse me, in the league. It would pair that with Matthew Stafford and the system he runs. I think the sky's the limit for them, honestly. I don't I don't think not highly of Matthew Stafford, but he is a billion times better than what Jared Goff is. And Sean McVay went to the Super Bowl with Jared Goff. So, Matthew Stafford is a top 10 through 12 quarterback in this league. I mean, it's not you can't name 12 or 15 other guys that are better than him at the quarterback position. I mean, he's, he's been dealt a, a bad hand with the organization he's been with. Everyone literally is – disgusted by the fact that the Lions have never achieved nothing. And that's not because of Matthew Stafford solely. Has he been the best quarterback for them? No, he could have been better. But he's not the big he's not their biggest reason for failures. Their defense and rushing attack has been bottom tier in the league ever since he came into the league. They had the limit. It's a lot like Aaron Rodgers. But the difference between him and Rodgers is that Rodgers is special enough and good enough, great enough to help mask a lot of these problems with the organization he's played with. A lot of people want to say the Green Bay Packers is a great team. Realistically, they're a okay team. He makes this team look better than what they truly are. The defense is still bottom tier. The they have good defensive players that you know, Jay Alexander, Darius Smith, Preston Smith. You know, I like Darnell Savage. They got some they got some good players on that t- side of the ball, but the linebacker core is terrible. The pass rush is inconsistent. They can't def- stop anyone in the rushing attack. And outside of Jay Alexander, their corners aren't aren't good. They're not. So it's it's things like that that when you have an Aaron Rodgers on your team and you got him dropping dimes left and right. Man, if you get that, if you don't have that, this is a below 500 football team. And that's why I told people, 
if he's traded, you'll see that. But back on topic, it's a lot of like what Matthew Stafford has dealt with, like in Green. I mean, like in with Detroit and Green Bay. Difference is Rodgers does has a little bit more talent around him, and also he's just ultimately the better quarterback between the two. So he had more ability. He was more equipped to carry and bear such burdens. Stafford, Stafford is going to the team with, with the best defense in the league. That, like I just said, he's going to the team with a running attack, and he's going to the team with a great play caller and a great coach and with good playmakers. I mean, at the very least, this should this should equate to NFC Championship appearance. At the very least. I mean, if they maintain their same level of play on both sides of the ball, everyone's healthy. This this team can, at the very least, make NFC Championship. I'm not saying I'm going to write them as his favorite to win the Super Bowl or anything like that, but this is a team that is built to win now. And a little fun fact, the, the Rams made a heavy push for Aaron Rodgers, and the Packers refused to trade him. If they were Aaron Rodgers... Then this would have been a Super Bowl favorite. Not even gonna lie to you. But on Jared Goff's side of the ball, he's going to a team that's could totally rebuild now. I mean, I don't think the Lions plan to compete for anything anytime soon. They haven't, so they ain't got nothing to lose. I like this like the hiring of Dan Campbell, man. I think he's a, a man amongst men. You know, he's someone who would Gather the troops together, lead by example. He needs good coordinators, though. I will say that because he is in the defensive or offensive minded guy. He's simply just an energy type person. You know, he wants to, he will get 110% out of each and every player on his roster. I will give him that. And I just feel as if Jared Goff is going to a situation. That is ideal right now. You know, he's already deemed as a not-so-good quarterback. And it's just going to be hard for him. His top two receiver options are hitting the free market, the free agency. You know, Marvin Jones and Kenny Galladay. Hawkinson will still be there. TJ Hawkinson will still be there. But outside of that, man, DeAndre Swift. I don't really know who else you can really write home about on that offense right now. And we're going to get off into other news. Now, I'm going to speak on what exactly does that trade mean for the Deshaun Watson trade. To me, it means absolutely nothing. The Texans will still ask for the same high, you know, amount of draft picks and a quality player, a starter, and or starter, you know, Transcendent player in return that that does that changes nothing. But to me, if if I'm the Texans, I'm not asking for a transcending or ascending player because I mean ascending player not transcending. For one, we are in cap space hell right now. We're not looking to trade for someone who will have to pay all over again and literally mess our cap space up. All over again. If I'm the Texans, all I want in return is picks and young players. That's it. I don't want an ascendant player who's more than likely, if he's an ascendant player, that you can tell he's going to be approaching the new contract extension. I won't be able to pay him. And let alone 
do I know if he's going to want to play here? Because, you know, with all the bad publicity coming out right now for this team, it's, it's, it's just not looking good. You know, they J.J. Watt just recently asked for a trade, and many believe he's played his last down with the Texans as well. And at some point, man, I mean, you, you, you got to realize, you. I don't think it's in your best options. I don't think it's in your best interest, I should say, to want to trade for some game-changer type players when these dudes more than likely don't want to be there right now. So I think your best bet and your best option is to primarily focus on getting how many draft picks you can get from the team. Now, whomever that may be, fine. It may be the Jets, it may be the Dolphins, maybe the 49ers. Who knows? But I think this team wants draft picks that they can build on within the next two to three years. So if you want that, I feel as if your best bet is to trade with the Dolphins or the Jets. That those are the only two options. And with Deshaun's no trade clause, I feel as if it will lean towards the Dolphins. I know there's reports coming out saying he likes the Jets because of Robert Sala, and I know that you know he feels as if he can be a difference maker on the team, which he which he could be. He's a top three quarterback, but come on, man. I'm not buying the fact that he actually genuinely wants to go play for the New York Jets. He would literally be walking back into a Houston, Texas organization type deal. It, I don't care who that coach is. The owner is horrible. They they can't attract any free agents. It, even if Deshaun Watson were to go there, I believe people will, would view it, you know, be like, yeah, you know, this might be a good spot. They got cap space. Deshaun's there now. But at the end of the day, they got a lot of holes. A lot of holes that free agency will not fill. The Dolphins, on the other hand, gives up draft picks. They got two or three positions that need to be addressed, if you ask me. The receiver position is a pass rusher and running back. Maybe you could, you could debate inside linebacker and safety, but to me, those they're not necessarily needs. They, you could upgrade at those positions, but... Your starters have been solid in those positions the past season. Now, if they want to address it, they can do that in the later rounds of the draft with with certain positions, like receiver, which they can, like running back, which they can. You know, third, fourth round picks at these positions have been successful in the leagues. Day two picks, A.J. Brown, D.K. Metcalf, Devontae Adams, Aaron Jones, who I just mentioned earlier, Cam Akers. You know, these guys... And that's just a few short list of names. So whatever teams trades for Deshaun Watson, everyone who is saying ignorant things such as, oh, he's going to bring any team he goes to in the cap hell, oh, they're going to lose all their draft capital. So listen, listen to me. Let me let me put something in perspective for y'all. Let me tell y'all, I'm going to give y'all four Dolphins first-round picks that – in recent memory. Four. First round picks. Four. Okay. Noah Igbenogany, Austin Jackson, Tua Tagovailoa. Those are the three pass this season. This season. That's the three. Year before that, <clears throat> Christian Wilkins. Before that, Mika Fitzpatrick. I just gave y'all five. So I gave you an extra one. That's five first round draft picks. The Dolphins have made. 
Now, let me ask y'all this. Would you trade all five of those players for Deshaun Watson? I don't know about y'all, but I would definitely do it in a heartbeat. I would definitely do it in a heartbeat. These guys, this, this just shows, this just goes to show you that first round draft picks don't hold much as weight as people want them to seem like they do. And it's simply because of the fact that you never know what you're going to get with a player, regardless of where you draft him. Look at Jared Goff just recently. Jared Goff has made a Super Bowl in the past, what, two, three years? In the past two, three years? And he's he's on his way out the door because his coach felt as if he was in, in eps to growing and getting better and getting him back to that point. And he's the first overall pick who the Rams traded up to get. You know, Marcus Mariota, Jameis Winston, it, it, you, you're not guaranteed anything at all when you drafting a guy in the first round. Yes, are they better prospects? Yes, are they, they will they tend to be the better player? Maybe so. But if you look at the top positions in the league right now, man, they're not all filled with first-round picks. It's second-round picks. It's third-round picks. It's fourth-round picks. I mean, the greatest quarterback of all time that people proclaim him to be, Tom Brady, was a, a pick in, what, sixth round? I mean, to me, man, people have to realize Deshaun Watson is a, is a talent that you give anything to give. I mean, anything to get. I don't, I don't care about the picks. I don't care about the, the players you might have to give up for a franchise-changing quarterback. Not just franchise quarterback, franchise-changing. I mean, ascending talent, generational. Not to say that he's a generational player, but his talent is unquestionable, and it's second to none in the league. In, a, in other NFL news... I want to just speak on the, the um. <clears throat> excuse me. I want to speak on the entire Chad. I believe his name is Chad Wheeler situation. I believe that's his name. And to me, I find it absolutely disgusting, and I find it just downright repulsive that ESPN isn't covering this story at all. And to me, that just screams double standards and it screams inequality because I know a lot of people going to hear this and say that oh he's a nobody that's why he's not a new no forget that at the end of the day right when it was Ray Rice and when it was TJ Hardy I, I believe that's his name it was TJ Hardy or Greg Hardy who the, the, the defensive lineman who played for the Panthers and the Cowboys when it was those guys and even when it was the Colts kicker, I forgot, oh my, all these guys' names are just leaving me right now. But, you know, even with the Colts kicker, who was a white gentleman, you, I, I didn't even know he was involved in those kind of disputes. You know, until I had seen the commercial and I looked it up and I was like, man, I had no idea. But when it was Hardy and Ray Rice, I knew off real. It was every, it was talk of the town. TMZ, ESPN, NFL Network. Um, what, what else? Uh, what else? What else? Can't really, I can't think of any other network right now. But it was definitely, definitely more publicized 
and media targeted. It was it just shows, man, that I mean this dude this dude Chad Wheeler literally beat his girlfriend nearly to death. He thought he did beat her to death and choked her out. When she literally came back into the room, see him, I believe he was I forgot what he was doing. I think he was drinking, eating something. And he literally told her that, oh, you're still you're still alive. How is this not, I don't care who he is. He's an NFL player who literally just beat his girlfriend nearly to death. How is this not on national news? I mean, it it it, it just doesn't make sense. It it makes no sense, man. And it's crazy that these stories aren't being covered because, listen, whether you want to make it a racial thing or whether you want to make it about a publicity thing or a player's notoriety or fame, whatever the case may be. Man, listen, this goes to show ESPN is a joke. Regardless of what you want to say and however you want to say that, they're not why they're not covering this story. This shows ESPN is a flipping joke. It shows their joke. And I've and I've said this for years, listening to guys like Max Kellerman, Stephen A. Smith, and Molly on first take. I, I don't to this day I don't listen to their show because the things they say and and I'm a I'm I'm gonna end this rant on this story right here so I can prove my point further why ESPN is a joke. I remember when the whole Ezekiel Elliott and domestic violent um, dispute went out with the girl he was, I don't know, messing with or something like that. I, I forgot who the girl was to him exactly. But before any other evidence even came out, before anything was proven or anything about, any, about whatever happened that night between him and the girl, they, they, they were calling for not only Ezekiel Elliott to be suspended for the season, they was calling him for the possibly lose his career. All of them. And then a couple of days later, come to find out the girl completely lied, admitted it through messages, to admit it through messages, admit, you know, basically show and reveal that she caused those wounds and harm to herself. And mind you, like I just said, literally days before ESPN was calling, first tape specifically, was calling for this dude to be released and lose his career and serve jail time. Like, come on. Like, are you serious? Like, that. to this day, man, even the Kareem Hunt situation, Stephen A. Smith's comments about it. Listen, this is, this is a dude who proclaims to be a brother and, no, you're not, bro. Like, you're not. You're, you're not. You're a brother when it's beneficial. You, you get on the media you cut and you bash these guys every chance you get. I'm not saying these guys was was right in their situations. Of course not. They should have been more, especially Kareem Hunt, should have been more professional. You know, you have to understand that you have more to lose than hurt. Understandable. But to get on social media and act like this dude is just a menace to society because of a mistake that was made because he was being racially profiled and insulted. It, no, you're, you're no better, guy. You're no better. And I can care less about whoever feels any way about that. Stephen A. Smith is a joke. First take is a joke. And I'm going to move on to the NBA news. Because if I continue talking about this, I could go on forever. 
But now that we got through the NFL news, you know the recent trades, the big blockbuster trade, Deshaun Washington, how I feel about Deshaun Washington situation, and the whole Chad Willis situation. Unfortunately, hopefully he gets the time he deserves, and hopefully he's never seen in broad daylight on the outside world again. But NBA news, as you all seen last night, the Brooklyn Nets and take on the take took on the Washington Wizards, and the Washington Wizards man they they put on an absolute show that last fourth quarter. Bradley Beal had twenty in that quarter alone. Russell Westbrook was balling the entire game, finished the game with forty one, and they made six points in seven seconds that won them the game ultimately. It came, it came down to Bradley Beal pulling up for a very difficult three-pointer, which was absolutely beautiful, nothing but net. And then I forgot who had got the steal. I think it was Bertans. He passed it to Westbrook at the top. Not at the top, but like on the side top, you know, for a three. Westbrook, nothing but net, won the game. And this is worrisome for me if I'm a Brooklyn Nets fan. We had to score almost 150 points a night to win because our defense is that bad. And and I've said this before, man. They cannot, they cannot keep, they cannot keep relying on Joe Harris to give them 27, 25 points a game. Not even 20. I mean, he he's a shooter. He's good for that, but. You can't expect that man to go out there and make four to seven threes every night. It's it's not gonna happen, especially now in the postseason, in the playoffs where you're going to be playing every other day. The man's gonna be tired. He's a shooter. They get tired too. I mean, you can depend on KD. KD gonna give you whatever he gives you every night. But Kyrie and Harden, man, these these guys have had some very forgettable shooting shooting nights in the playoffs and. People want to say Kyrie no because it's Cleveland run. Listen, he was playing with a generational player, man. The greatest player of this era. Regardless of how you feel about that, you can't at the very least admit that. LeBron is the greatest player of this era. Kyrie is a beneficiary of playing with that. He went to Boston, made the playoffs. He went stretches where he saw absolutely horrible. I mean, terrible. So... I have to see it, man. I definitely still have to see it from James Harden. He, every big game, elimination game, I believe he's one for six in elimination games on his career. He has almost as much turnovers as assists, which is scary. And he's shooting about 38% from the field. That's, that's not going to get it done. It's not. Regardless of who's on your team, they play a good team, man. With some good. That's what, like like I said, man. Once the when the playoffs start, teams like the Bucks, the Celtics, and the Heat, they they better hope they don't have to see them. Especially especially the Heat, especially the Heat. And I say especially the Heat because to me, out of all those teams I just named, Spo Eric Spoelstra is the best coach. And he's going to get his guys in position to play the best defense and to get in the best situations to score. He has shooters on that team as well, man. And now that Jimmy Butler's back and Avery Bradley's, I'm not, I'm not sure if Avery Bradley's back, but he's, if he's not back, he should be coming back soon. Once those, 
What's both of those guys back on the floor, especially Jimmy Butler, which Jimmy Butler is, has returned. He had a great game last night. Man, the Nets better. They're they going to have to figure something out, man. They better hope they truly do get Andre Drummond because if they don't, it's it's going to be a long, it's going to be a very long and very disappointing season for them. But in other news, <clears throat> I want to speak on my current NBA MVP odds, who I think has the nod right now. Right now, I think Joel Embiid has the nod. And I say Joel Embiid because he is simply playing otherworldly right now. He's a guy that's absolutely balling. He's a guy that's giving. He, he seems like he's putting up thirty and, and eleven a night, meaning points and rebounds. And he's one of the best rifters in the league, which is so important to me for centers. That is critical for me, and it's the reason why I ultimately think he's better than Jokic. I, even though Jokic is the best passing big by a mile, I think he may be the best passing big this game has ever seen. I know, I know guys want to bring up dudes like. Um, They'll say guys like Chris Kemp or not Chris Kemp. I'm sorry, I don't, Chris Weber. That's what I meant to say. And who was who was another good passing big? I I guess you could say Tim Duncan. I mean he he wasn't a a good a great passing big, but he was serviceable as a passer. But I think Jokic. I think it's not close. I think Jokic. Bill Warren as well. But I think Jokic is the best passing bid this game has ever seen, honestly. But I still will take Joel over that. Man. I think Joel will give me everything from a scorer's perspective that Jokic can. I think he has the better post game, even though I think both of them have really good post games. I think MB's more aggressive style gives him that nod because he is a he can benefit from playing aggressive inside on the block. And also on the outside, a face-up, a dribble, and take someone off the dribble, which is very rare for guys his, for guys his size. So I, I give him that nod. And I also think they're both equally good rebounders. I just think, in all honesty, because Joel Embiid is light years better the better defender. It's that, to me, that's not even close. So honestly, to me, all the thing Jokic has on him is passion. So... I'll take Embiid as not only the MVP front runner, but I think he's the best big in the league right now. And then after that, I'll say LeBron is out to him because LeBron is having an unprecedented season as well. Lakers are playing very at a high level, as we all would expect. They they got away with one against the Celtics at the night. I will admit that, but a win is a win nonetheless. And... After that, Kevin Durant, I mean, this dude, he's been lights up. I think <laughs> at one point he was shooting 53% from the field, 40, I think 44, 45% from three. And he's, he's averaging 31 a game. Whew. He, he playing lights up. Now we're going to get into the fans' Q&A, as you all been waiting for. And this first question, sorry, I got to scroll. <laughs> but this first question comes from Clark Wayne. When Tom Brady retired after winning the Super Bowl, well, for one, I don't believe Tom Brady will win the Super Bowl. I think the Chiefs win it. 
if anything, that Green Bay and Washington's t- team showed me against this Packers, I mean, not against the Packers, but against the Bucks, is that the Bucks offense isn't as dynamic as it should be. And that defense is more dynamic than it was a couple weeks ago. But I don't see them being able to withhold the Chiefs. I think it, I think it might get ugly, if I'm being honest with you. This next question comes from Clark Wayne again. Will Grunt resign for another year since his contract expires and Brady has one year left? I think if they win, Grunt resigns, you know, or he might. If they don't win, I think he'll explore elsewhere. But I think he has one more year left. I think he'll come back for another season. This next question comes from the same person, Clark Wayne. Will the Bucks resign AB and Godwin? No. I don't think they resign either one of those guys. I think both of those guys are going to walk. They're going to walk top dollar, as they should. Especially Godwin, because he's young and he's approaching his prime peak years. He should cash out as much as, as, much as he can, because there's no guarantee you're going to make it back to the Super Bowl. This next question comes from Clark Wayne with Devin White be crowned defensive player of the year. No, man. I mean... I know you're a Bucks fan, bro, but come on. You know good and well that man is not even a top three candidate for defensive player of the year. And this next question comes from Clark Wayne again. This one is actually not Bucks related, surprisingly. <laughs> but will Jerry Goff be the solution to bring Detroit's playoff drop to an end? No. And it's not it's not necessarily even just because of him. It's because the team around him, to me, just isn't good. I mean, the defense. I mean, think think about this. Think, think put this into perspective, right? The well, how long has Stafford been there? I think twelve years, 11, 12 years. The twelve years Matthew Stafford has been there. Off the top of my head, I can name three notable defensive players. I mean, Pro Bowl all pro caliber type defensive players. I'm not just talking about names that are well known on the team or throughout the city. I'm talking about legitimate players who catch your attention on film or at the very least was a pro bowl caliber player. Those three to me is DeAndre Levy, Chris Houston, and the Dominican Sue. That's it. Out of the 12 years... That is one good defensive player every four years on that team. That to me is absolutely horrible. I know, I know they had um, oh my goodness, what's the nose tackle name that played for the Ravens? He was traded to the Detroit Lions. I can't remember his name right now. But I'm pretty sure Ravens fans know exactly what I'm talking about. He was a long time Raven. I I cannot. Haloti Nada, there we go. Haloti Nada was there at one point, but I was on the back end of his career. Snacks Harrison was there at one point, again, back in his career. They had, I believe they had Danny Shelton now, who's another pretty solid lineman, but he was traded from the Browns for a reason. I mean, they haven't had a good, let alone good defense, they haven't had good defensive players consistently on that defense. I mean, I like Jeff Okuda. I think he would become something. You know, he was a rookie, though, so it's hard to tell. I never was a big fan of Desmond Trufant, so I'm not even going to talk about him. 
I mean, it's just it's just hard to achieve anything that you would deem as a success when you playing with a defense like that. And golf has had the benefit of playing with a wrestling attack and tight career. He's not getting that in with the Lions. I mean, Cam Makers is good. I like Cam Makers, but not Cam Makers, excuse me. DeAndre Swift. I like DeAndre Swift, but he's not giving you the same protection you're going to see at the Rams. This next question comes from Vin Velsine. What will a Super Bowl victory slash loss mean for Patrick Mahomes at this part of his career? To me, a victory would mean everything because, for one, the circumstances are set. You know, it's you versus the film few answer for greatest quarterback of all time. Will you over? We overachieve by defeating him. We win two back-to-back Super Bowls. You already are the only player, 25 and younger, to make multiple Super Bowls already. Will you become the first ever to win multiple? And if he does, to me, that just skyrockets him into the GOAT conversation. Because, I mean, all-time greats don't even have one Super Bowl. And some all-time greats have one but can never have got two. And now, if you want to say that's about circumstances, you want to say that's about the team, fine. But fact of the matter remains, he will, if he will win, he will have two Super Bowl rings. That's more than Rodgers. That's more than Breeze. He already has more than Marino. You know, it's... You know, he'll be up there with guys like Ben Roethlisberger now. It's... It's legit. It's legit. It'll, it'll pay dividends for his... his <clears throat> career for sure. A loss, I don't think it'll hurt him too much. I think the only thing it'll hurt him in the parts of, I think he'll never truly have that edge on Brady if he were to lose, if he ever were to be to go down as arguably the greatest quarterback of all time. And it would be because, simply put, you lost to Tom Brady. The old Tom Brady at that. I mean, Tom Brady's 43. So, I think that's what it would mean for him. This next question comes from Bryant Phillips. What what do you think the Colts QB situation would look like at the start of the 2021 season now that Stafford is in LA? If I'm being completely honest, I have no idea. Cause I I thought they should have been all in on getting Matt Stafford by any means necessary, man. I, I to me they're just like how the Rams are. They're a missing quarterback away from possibly contending for every for it all. You know, and now that he's not for sure not coming there, you know, it's other it's, it's other free agent quarterbacks that they could go out and pursue who could possibly be serviceable starters for them. Cam Newton, I mean Ryan Fitzpatrick. You know, now I think about it, Ryan Fitzpatrick. He may be he, they, he may be someone they might be looking into to sign. I know James Winston is expected to hit the market again, but I think more than likely he's going to stay with the Saints. Mm, who else? That Prescott, more than likely he's going to stay with the Cowboys. But, yeah, there's just some names. The Colts, I, I really think they should have went out and got Stafford, man. I really do. I wanted them to get Stafford because I, I honestly, I like the Colts. If I'm a Dolphin fan, first and foremost. I'm an Aaron Rodgers fan. But and if I wanted to see any other AFC teams to see, to see AFC team, it would either be the Colts or the Ravens because – I'm a Lamar Jackson guy too, but I like the coach. 
I think they have always been a well-rounded team. I just think the coaching hasn't been necessarily great. I mean, it wasn't well-rounded when Andrew Luck was there, of course. But the past, i say three, four years has been a well-rounded team. So, yeah, I, mean, I honestly don't know what's going to happen with their quarterback situation, though. But thank you all for tuning in to the show once again. That is it for the Q&A, the fans' Q&A. Be sure to like, subscribe to the channel on YouTube, Last Word Productions. Be sure to subscribe to any of my podcast platforms. I'm on Apple. I'm on Google. I'm on Spotify. Whatever you want to see me and hear me at, I'm there. Trust me. I'm even on Amazon Music now. And I'm also on Instagram and Facebook, as you all may know. Instagram is last word underscore productions. Facebook, my ad is face or last word productions. Thank you all, and I'll see y'all in the next one.